0: Yes, that, that's quite nice when it happens, isn't it? When you kind of think, oh, I'm not sure if that one's ever going to go. I really like that one. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just get a little ping. You think, oh, good. I know where it's going.
1: Yeah. Hi, and welcome to episode 104 of Art Juice. This is honest, generous and humorous conversations to feed your creative soul and to get you thinking with me, Louise Fletcher.
0: And me, Alice Sheridan. And
1: today we are returning to questions that we were asked and we have a question from Maxine about the different ways to sell online. Before we get to that, let's just catch up with what we've been up to. So tell me about your week, Alice.
0: It's been more settled, actually. It's been it's been busy. It's been um, quite full, but it's felt more settled It's always like that at the beginning of January when you make a little bit of an effort to do things in a conscious way before everything goes pear-shaped again. But I have felt each day that I'm doing more or less what I intended to do when I intended to do it. And I have been much better when I get to the end of the day of going, well, I have done enough now. I'm stopping for the day because it can go on forever. It's not going to go on forever. So I felt kind of a little bit more grounded about things I felt like I've had time I'm understanding a bit more where I spend my time it's just a perpetual thing but it's it's felt kind of quite good this week so um I've unpacked new art materials um I was priming yesterday I got a whole load of smaller ones um longer ones interesting different sizes so um yeah unpacked that put together a reels yesterday oh I didn't see that I missed that somehow That was my first, that was my thing, wasn't it? Last week I mentioned I wanted to do reels or a video or something or an extra or a blog. So yesterday I thought, well, I'll try and put something together about unpacking of this. I also volunteered to make an art materials guide. (laughs) So I'm going to be doing that at some point. Um, But it was quite fun. But I'd completely forgotten how you do reels since the last time I did it. Um, But it was, uh, yeah, I think. It felt easier this time because last time I thought you had to put all the text on at each little section of video. And now I realise that you can adjust the where you put the text. You can do all of that at the end. So you can load up and clip all your video bits together and then just put any text that you want on it. Now I quite enjoyed doing it. I've got
1: to learn that I did one, but it was
0: how I ever
1: managed to get it To work I've no idea you know how you fumble through and somehow there's a video at the end yeah so I need to learn like the idea of actually clipping things together on purpose and editing things and all that I haven't a clue but I would like to do it because they do
0: look good when you see them but it's quite fun and I think just realizing that you can do like 15 seconds is so short so you can choose between 15 seconds or 30 seconds and so I've been having a look through some others and just quite enjoying some of the things have made me laugh Yeah, um, I've quite enjoyed that element of it. So we'll see. I don't know what I can do that's funny, funny in the studio though. Although lots of you said that I pulled a funny face, good funny face in the one yesterday, which people liked. We should have wasn't... little
1: out juice reels. We should have each week. Can you take like from a recording of this? And make a reel. Is that can you take recordings of other types of videos and upload them, or do they have to be recorded in Instagram?
0: You can. No, you can upload them. Once you, what you can't do is have the audio from the original video with music over the top. But you could have just little audio clips. Yeah, Yeah. definitely video clips that have got the original audio on. Yeah. Anyway, something to think about. Something else
1: to do. Yeah. Well. I'm glad you were feeling settled because I've been the opposite. I had a complete meltdown a couple of days ago, complete meltdown. Um, And I do this to myself, as Phil pointed out to me, um, because he sat down to listen to me ranting and raving about how busy I was. And he said, how many of the things that you really stressed about actually have to have to happen? Like, Mm. or how many could you not do if you wanted to change it or do something else? because it seems to me like it's all self-imposed and I'm just suggesting. (laughs) So we went through them and the membership site where people pay me to produce content and be there, that's something I have to do regularly. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Everything else that was on my list, everything else was totally optional and Mm self-imposed. My requirement to upload a YouTube video every week, my requirement to have this book, to the publisher by this date so it can be published this year my requirement to get stuff ready for my course this year so I can do my course I'm not saying I'm not going to do these things but they're all voluntary things Mm. and I don't have to do any of them and I and I really have this way of now that I don't work for I used to work for very demanding bosses now that I don't have a demanding boss I'm worse I'm worse I think
0: (laughs) Yeah, be fair, though. The publisher changed the expectation dates on you.
1: Slightly. But still, I mean, like Phil said, well, why, why are you doing it for that date? Like, could you tell them that you want to produce it next year? in theory, could you just say, I want a year to do this. And I said,
0: I don't want to. but I said, yes, blood. I could.
1: So anyway, that what the action I did take, what had happened very, very briefly was I'd got feedback from a couple of people on my draft and the draft was, was rough. I knew it was, but their feedback both took it in a totally different direction. Mm-hmm. Both thought it should be something else. And what I'm really pleased about is once I digested all the feedback, Both people had something really valuable in it that I could take and use. But I realized, no, my original idea for this, I still feel good about just because I haven't executed it very well. I still feel it's the right approach. So after a couple of days of panicking and there's no way I can rewrite all of this in seven weeks and da da da, I asked for a quick meeting yesterday with the publisher and I went through my suggested, my belief of what I should do. And he, it was a lovely call because basically I was imagining I have to do far more by that date than I have to do by that date. Yeah. Um. Because they're going to do far more for me and with me than I expected they were. Yeah. Because I'm not used to this. And because originally it was going to be self-published. So anyway, I know now that yes, they moved the date forward, but he really wants the date moved as far forward as possible so he can work with me on the draft. And he wants so we can work with me on the images and make sure we have the right images, and it's going to be really collaborative and I just came off that call feeling really good about two things: one that I stuck to my original vision but but able to incorporate people's suggestions where I thought they were helpful, and two, that I asked for help rather than sitting there panicking,
0: yeah
1: and that I don't have to postpone it till next year that i can I can now move forward with it in a way that I feel good about so meltdown over but it it reminded me a bit of that point you get to with with a series of work or even one painting where you just think I can't do this I just can't do this what am I even thinking and then you have to get past that point to get to the solution but I think you have to have the little meltdown or I do anyway.
0: <laughs> it's an interesting it's an interesting thing, is it? Do you have to have a little meltdown? I think some people don't have to have a little meltdown. I think yeah. some people manage to, <laughs> to get through things without having little meltdowns. I know that I do. And I agree with you. I think it comes from, you know, putting too much on your plate and too much expectations. But then that's also the thing that excites me about life. It's. Just, I, I think the only thing is to accept that, you know it's not going to be perfect all the way through and it varies so you know that you can cope with it that's the point isn't it is that you know that you can cope with it. if it goes smooth that's fine if you have a little meltdown you sit down you talk to Phil you pick it out you say which things really have to be done and which things can I do yeah. later or do differently I feel like the meltdown for me it's like a pressure valve yeah it seems to be
1: like I have it has to I mean, not every project gets to this point. Obviously, some things are straightforward and simple. But when it's but like you, I tend to buy off as much as I could possibly manage or a little bit more than I can possibly manage. So therefore it all piles up and then there's this pressure valve that goes and then, okay, now my mind's clear to logically think through what I need to do. But first I have to have the meltdown. This was a good meltdown in that it didn't involve yelling at anyone or it it was just me being, you know,
0: I can't do it. But I think it's also, I suppose what I'm trying to get at is it's also, I think it can be, like we're seeing it as a bad thing, it can be quite a helpful part of the editing process. Again, very much like a painting, like you start off and you're excited and you put all these ideas in and you think, oh, I could do this and I could do this and I could include this and I want this to be done really well. And then you get to a point you think, whoa, 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 whoa. too much, too much, too much, stop, go back and filter out some of the things really decide what's important and then you can go through feeling a bit stronger about it and a bit more with a bit more direction so yeah. I suppose what I'm saying is even with the meltdowns I don't think they're always necessarily something to be avoided because I think they very often have something that's useful to contribute so anyway. I agree so moving on
1: to our main topic so our question is from Maxine who said I'm sure you've already covered this, which actually I don't think we have, not in any detail anyway. She says maybe you could review ways in which we could possibly sell our art online. For example, is a website necessary? Instagram, reliable sites that sell art, question mark. So take it away, Alice. (laughs) Let's start with the website. Can we start with that?
0: Well, I was going to say website is top of the list. I wonder if in a way we should leave it um, until the end. Um... Well,
1: the only thing I want to say about it right up front before we talk about the other things is. Yes, you have to have one. I Mm -hmm. really, really strongly feel that. And even though websites are becoming unnecessary in lots of fields, I think they're really necessary in ours.
0: I think they're really, I think they're helpful websites. The reason that I, I say about perhaps we talk about those at the end is because it, a, a website can be a big project. It can be a big mental block. And I think some of the other things that, we, that we're going to talk about are ways to get started perhaps quicker. Mm-hmm. But I do think that a website is essential and also the process of putting a website together, thinking what you want to include, helps you determine your language, how you select the images, how you talk about yourself, all of those kind of things, which you need in all these other places anyway. Yeah. But it is a big project and technologically people get scared of it. I think we have spoken about websites before and like the various advantages or disadvantages of the different platforms um, that you can have for artists' websites. That probably is... A section for another day because if we go into that that will be um that will be a whole episode in itself but the key point about a website is that it's yours you get to choose what you have on it you have control over it you have control over the customer journey over what extra information you include what you have around your work um and and how you most
1: importantly about the information about the people yeah. coming You have a chance to capture them, which on any of these other platforms that we're going to talk about, they don't belong to you and they can Mm -hmm. vanish at any moment or change. And so that's why I feel all of the things we're going to talk about ultimately should lead back. And I know what you're saying, that um, people can get started without a website. I totally believe that. You can get started tomorrow selling your work without doing anything technical Mm. but as a long-term plan I think you need to be seeing all these other elements that we're going to talk about as Mm. things that feed back to a place that you belong to that belongs to you rather (laughs) can you tell us yeah
0: and and the other things that we that we're going to talk about the other platforms they also have their own technological learning curve Mm -hmm. so if you're going to put time into understanding those I would rather you put time into understanding it on your own site because otherwise you're doing it twice in two different places and your website is, is your website. And that's going to be the thing that, that, really benefits you in the longer term. And it doesn't have to be complicated to begin with. This is this is the key point, is that when you look at websites that people have put together um, over a long time who are more established and more experienced, it didn't start out like that. Like that wasn't their website version 1.0. Their website version 1.0 was very simple, a home page, an about page, a portfolio page, and a contact page. That's kind of all you need to begin with. You need that contact page because you need a way for people to get in touch with you and you need an email sign up too. Um, But you need that contact page. And even with that, you can start selling even if you don't have full sales systems integrated. I did
1: that. Yeah. I can, as I was saying last week, I can see in Squarespace my original site. mm -hmm. And I didn't even have a PayPal button on the page. I didn't have initially a way for people to buy but they did have an email an email link email me if you're interested it's not ideal but it's all I could do at that point
0: yeah I got you started
1: but the the website so as we're saying you must have a website eventually and everyone everything must lead to it we also have to say when you have a website that doesn't sell work so (laughs) by itself so because I remember that with my other business we built a website when we launched the business and then we went right oh what do we do now nobody Mm. knows it's here Mm. so that the it's all integrated together because the web building a website don't build a website sit back and expect the sales to start coming in because that doesn't happen
0: yeah no that's a very good point which is which is why so, I mean, we spoke last week about social media and how important it is, and we're going to talk about that in the different ways that people can contact you. But having having content on your website that's going to be interesting and useful to people so that you've got something to share from it is a really important way of drawing people back to it. They like what they see. Then you want a way to gather them onto an email list, because even if you sell from your website you're more likely to sell to people who are already on your email list as well. So just because a website exists as you say that's that in itself is not necessarily going to do the selling for you. It's the it's the um relationships that you build and people who get to know you over time and get to understand your work and you know at a time that's right and ready for them, you know it's not always going to be the first minute that they hit your website. So websites yes keep them simple. Um, Have an email sign up, but get get started with that if you don't have it already. But payment options on a website. So you mentioned PayPal Mm -hmm. is probably it's probably the easiest in terms of a payment system. But even before that, you can do what you said in terms of if you see anything that you like, please, you know, you can contact me via the contact button. And couple of things that I would suggest that are really important if you're going to do that level one version. One is it's really important to have your prices visible. No one is going to contact you to ask about prices. Yeah, that's not point. going to happen. It's embarrassing. Like nobody yeah. likes to ask, and it, you know, it's awkward. So even if you don't have e-commerce set up, make sure that you have your prices available. And with that contact button, you want to make it as easy as possible. So if it's a different tab on your website when you've got the page that you're talking about your work or you're showing your work, put a link in so that people just have to tap it or clink it, click it to go to the contact button. Or that can even go direct to um, an email address so that they can email you immediately. Yeah, so I yeah. think that's the kind of minimum to have on your website. Yeah. And then PayPal is probably the next thing, which At I least... no, I'm not sure I ever use. So. Tell me, you started with PayPal buttons, didn't you? Well,
1: initially, because I was using Squarespace but I had at that point, but I hadn't set up the e-commerce options. And if you use Squarespace, and I really don't know about Wix, unfortunately, because I've never used it. If you use Squarespace, setting up PayPal to receive is literally pressing a button and putting your email address in. It's so easy. But at the time, I don't think it, it had that or I hadn't set that up. So what I did was you can on PayPal cut and paste some copy, which gives you a button. They're not very pretty. No, um,
0: they've got better. They've got better. Say, different
1: mine was, yeah, mine yeah. was ugly. This was a long time ago.
0: Yeah, the the PayPal styling with that horrible rounded yellow button. I, don't, I mean, there are different things about it. You know, people recognize it. There's a confidence yeah. element to it. But they do have other options now. But you do that from your PayPal account. So you log into your PayPal account. You need to make sure it's a business one. And then you can create different options to create those buttons. And it gives you some code that you copy into your website.
1: Yeah, and then that just makes a button which takes them to a payment page. So I did that for a little while. But as I say, now I'm returning to Squarespace. And and if anybody really is starting from scratch, in many cases, they're going to either use Wix or Squarespace, I would think. And certainly in Squarespace, it's all built in for you to set up e-commerce now, much more simpler than it used to be. Um, So that's a a nice option. And so PayPal is one option that Squarespace gives you and Stripe is the other, which is a payment processor that I know you use and I use. And oh, I find that quite easy to use too, quite easy to set up and quite easy to use.
0: It is. And I mean, they're different in the sense that Uh, if you have uh, PayPal as an option, obviously, people can pay using PayPal, or they can pay using credit cards. But when you get paid, the money stays sitting in your PayPal account. Um, With Stripe, you create a Stripe account, which is free. um, And people can use it to pay by, by credit card. And then you set it up to transfer the money into your own bank account. And you can do that daily or weekly or at the end of the month or however you choose. So, It's quite flexible from that point of view. The percentage that you pay for both of them, I think is about the same. Mm. Um, I think it's three and a half percent plus 20p for every transaction or something. So it's similar. I prefer the way that sales are listed in Stripe, partly because my PayPal account still overlinks with my personal one so that I also have (laughs) all the other gubbins that I buy on on PayPal and all that kind of stuff too. So... For me, I like Stripe because it keeps things separate. But that's on my to-do list is to set up a different PayPal account that I only use for my art. But in terms of, well, certainly in the UK, if you're selling your work as a sole trader, you don't have to have a totally separate account. You can have it mixed with your personal accounts. It just takes a little bit more legwork. You have to make sure that you differentiate out the sales and keep a record of what's personal and what's business, obviously. Yeah, but I, I want to
1: stress again that when you're first starting out with selling online, you don't need to worry about any of this. You do need somewhere people can pay you, and PayPal's easy for that, or as or, or direct transfer into your bank if it's a if it's a local UK sale um, or local sale to your country. I don't even think in America and Canada they still have direct transfer as an easy thing the way we do. I'm not sure, but certainly not internationally. It seems
0: to be more complicated in the state. Mm-hmm. You, you can do it, but you have to have IBAN numbers, which you can usually see on your bank account. But it seems to me that even in the US, people don't use direct no. bank transfer to pay each other. Whereas in the UK, we use that all that we used to use that all the time for teachers' presents or anything. You know, yeah. it's great. It's really, when we moved back
1: here, I was like, oh, this is efficient. You know, yeah great but I think it's so many different banks and credit unions and all sorts of different things in America that just really complicates everything but um but one simple way to take money PayPal if you can't do direct transfer is a simple way to do it and you don't need anything else at the beginning that's no that's all you need
0: no and you can if you're really at the beginning you don't even have to register well in the UK until you've made a thousand pounds worth of sales So, but keep, keep a record, (laughs) even from the beginning, keep a record. And I just have a basic spreadsheet. That's it. Money in, money out. Don't have it linked up because like I say, the, the account that I first started using for selling art, we used to do other things from it. It was kind of our savings account. That's what selling art was. It went into the savings account and that is okay in the UK, as long as you, Mm -hmm. you have a way of identifying. So
1: Now, one question that I often get asked, so if you don't have a website and you want to start selling, um, Maxine mentioned Instagram, you want to start selling online, there's a confusion for some people. And I know many of our listeners already sell, you know, very well on Instagram and websites. But for those who don't understand this, there's sometimes a confusion about, but how do I sell on Instagram? Um, and, And people think there must be a system for it. And they're really... The system is for me, when I sell via Facebook or Instagram, I put the price, I put that it's for sale and people message me and ask if they can buy it. And then we go offline and we do PayPal or direct transfer or whatever to take the payment. Is that the same for you?
0: It is for most things, um, if I mention it. Yeah, that's often where the where the inquiries come in from. Um, and now, now that I have Stripe, I can send an invoice through Stripe as well. And mm-hmm. I can either put bank transfer details at the bottom where, of course, you're not paying the fee, or there will be a link on there where they can pay, just click on the email and pay by credit card. But the other thing is having a shop on social media. I was going to ask if you had one, which I haven't. Well, I have. I I set it up in Facebook a while ago, and I think you have to have Facebook and Instagram linked in order to do it. And I set it up in Facebook a while ago, but it links back to my own website shop. And what I'm not convinced about, which is very much like we're going to get onto the third party sites, is, is it worth the extra effort for individual unique pieces of art because it's an extra place to upload it's an extra place to put information yes now on instagram if you you can you can tag an image and you get a little shopping bag icon and people can press it and go to buy but if you've only got one painting you only need one person to do that so I would rather that they message me that seems a lot less effort than Mm. setting it all up it's kind of different perhaps for prints or for anything that you sell multiples of that might be different, but I haven't explored it fully, partly because I doesn't logically make so much sense to me for what we sell. It makes sense if you've got, you know, 250 T-shirts in stock, but not for one painting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's why that's what's put me off. It's kind of oh, it's, it's, it's a pain enough to upload to your website and put all the information in and write about the painting and put various images in then to do it all again in somewhere else and somewhere else plus it's that feeling that I have all the time of I I don't want to be reliant on Facebook or Instagram um I don't want them to become my website which is what they're trying to be they're trying to for obvious reasons give you everything you need so that you don't have to leave them yeah but I don't want that because who knows what's going to happen with those companies you know, not, Instagram is not going to disappear tomorrow, but who knows if they're going to be broken up and if they're broken up, what that means. And if they change their policies all of a sudden and demand a commission on sales or start putting ads on the things that you're selling, the, the things you wouldn't want ads for. I don't know. It just it's not mine and I can't control
0: it. And it feels more kind of commoditized, doesn't it? I don't know, which is yeah. I mean, it, that's ridiculous, because if we if we want to sell our work, we need to face up to that. And it, yeah, I am I'm here. I've got work. Would you like to buy it? Here it is. Come and buy it. <laughs> that's really what it comes down to. Um, it, and in that sense, it is a commodity. But I don't know the shopping carty thing. I I'm not a big fan of it, but you do make an interesting point about the having to upload things on your website and whether it's creating a product or a page or however you do it within your own site. And I think sometimes social media can allow you to, to sidestep that whole issue. And I have certainly sold things directly before they've even made it to my website. Yes. Um, either by somebody reaching out and asking me when they just see a post Um, when they can see that something is close to being done and and sometimes I'll say it's not quite done yet but give me your email and I'll let you know and I'll let you see the image first Um, that's happened occasionally or by making it available and just as you say having a post about it with a price encouraging people to contact you about it and the third thing that's really important is is your email list so Giving your people who are on your email list first access, sometimes then you don't have to go to the whole bother of putting it on your website. So you can say, I'm sending it out via email, first of all, just put the images and the prices in your email. Then you don't have to upload everything and do the whole e-commerce thing. And then you just go back to direct payments. But it's always a little bit of a balance, isn't it, between is it easier to put it on your website and have things happen automatically? Or is it easier for you to deal with people individually, which you often have to do anyway, a little bit, particularly if there's extra shipping questions to be done. So I think that's the question that I would be asking is what's the easiest way that I can get started with this? And even now, I find that that it varies for me. So sometimes I would do things immediately in my email list. First of all, before I even get to a website so it still varies. Yeah the one thing I do find about a
1: website which sales on a website which I haven't mentioned so I also you know have that experience where things sell before they're on the website some of these paintings I'm working on now are already reserved even though I've not really put them anywhere just the occasional Instagram post but I also have the experience which I'm sure you do where uh, there was one not not long ago where it was a painting that had been on my website for quite a long time and been everything else had gone and it was still sitting there and it was one of my favourites and why is that one not gone? And then out of the blue somebody got in touch and said, "Is that I'd like to buy that painting." And my website, as it is currently, doesn't allow you, it doesn't have e-commerce all built in. So you do have to contact me. The one I'm building in the background, that one it's going to have everything built in. So they just emailed and and then bought it out of the blue and actually bought, bought some others while they were here. But so that's what a website does to you because it's sitting there. The Instagram post that you did, that's gone and everyone's forgotten about it and yeah. this painting was one that that's i had actually posted on instagram and said i think last year it's one of the few that are left it's this is the price let me know if you're interested it's my favorite silence crickets nobody answered nobody cared <laughs> and because that person wasn't looking at instagram that day or didn't have the money or wasn't in the market for a painting then or didn't have the space whatever but so a website's nice because these things just sit there I do take things off if I've if I've gone off them if they're like you know it's two years ago and I no longer like it I, I'll remove it but the ones that I'm still fond of they just sit there and eventually yeah. someone comes along for them
0: yes that, and that's quite nice when it happens isn't it when you kind of think oh I'm not sure if that one's ever going to go I really like that one yeah. <laughs> and then you just get a little ping you think oh good I know where it's going yeah that's also a very good point though if you have work on your website or recently in the in the connected membership somebody said i've just had a notification that i've sold through an online gallery um that this work and i nearly painted over it two weeks ago <laughs> just make sure that if you've got work that's available anywhere you don't paint over it so if you're in the habit of painting over your paintings just double check where it's up and take it down. That's because... a really good point. The, the one thing I, I'm probably
1: skipping all over, but while I remember, um, although I don't have e-commerce set up on my website, when I did the artist support pledge for a while, I was making little paintings. I used, if you use WordPress, there's a plugin. Is it WooCommerce? Yes. WooCommerce. And I used that and that was very straightforward and I and I thought oh this is nice having e-commerce set up is nice because an email just comes in that says you've sold a painting your stock is down to zero because they were originals here's the name and address of the person who bought it and then I would just arrange to ship it to them um much I mean that is nice it's 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 nice it's nice to get emails from people saying is that painting available can you tell me more about it but it's also nice to just get a message saying somebody's bought it and you can send it off to them so if you do have a wordpress website and you haven't looked at woocommerce it's free and there was a bit of a learning curve for me it took me you know a bit of time to work it out but yeah
0: there are a lot of tabs but, you know, there's 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 a lot to set up that like you have to um, specify which countries you ship to or if there's any that you don't want to ship to and what your postage rates are going to be. And that kind of thing can be a little bit complicated. I don't do it by weight or anything. I work out my postage separately. So yeah. I have different categories of work. So I have work on paper um, medium-sized paintings, large paintings and then different geographic areas and I set the price but where it's quite nice is that then you can set up offer codes or coupon codes or free shipping today or I could do I could do free shipping on prints this month or I could set up 10% discount on prints this and and it would apply automatically and that kind of thing is quite fun but you just have to work through it a little bit logically the and one thing that is play. a little bit complicated is where you have variable products. So if you have a print and you have want to have different drop down menus for sizes on it, that's a bit of a headache. And I always forget where that is when I have to go back and change anything. That's a bit awkward.
1: The the one I found awkward in WooCommerce, and it's probably the same in, in other systems, was if you if it's an original, you only have one. There's a place to make that clear that you only have one so that when it sells, it will be out of stock. But I thought I thought it was a different setting and I changed something else to do that. So I did have an instance where one thing sold to two different people.
0: Oops, microphone issue there. Starting again. Lost our thread. I think we were talking about um, marking paintings for sale and, have it, and having them in the stock control. And it usually is stock. You need to set the item to one. Um, One of the things that um, I have to switch off in WooCommerce is there's an option. So, for example, if you had a website that did sell T-shirts, and I'm sure we've all seen this when we're shopping, it often says there's a pop up that says, what's your low stock limit? So if you're looking on an e-commerce website, at something that you want to buy and it will say there's low stock in size 12, And, you know, you think, oh, I better order it quick then. So that kind of option is in WooCommerce. But obviously, if you've only got one product of a painting, you don't want it saying low stock. So make sure that you have that switched off. And the other thing that I did was there, it used to have an automatic sold or sold. It used to say um, in stock or sold out when the painting had sold. And I wanted to change it. Oh, no, it said out of stock out of stock and I just didn't like that as a phrase and I had to go I googled and I found where you go into the settings um and you had I just changed the little word in between the exclamation marks to say sold rather than out of stock
1: so yes, there's a little, so, there is
0: a little bit of tweaking to be yeah, done yeah with, with all these things. like that yeah
1: I mean let's talk about third party sites because I've had to go a long time ago at putting things onto some site. I can't remember which one. And again, there was lots to learn and figure out about doing that. And um, nothing sold from there. I can't say I put any effort into it. And I mm. think that's part of the problem. These sites are massive. And if you yeah. put just put your artwork up and sit back, what are the chances somebody's going to find it?
0: Well, I, so we're talking about things like Etsy or Art Finder or New Blood was one that existed, I don't know if it still does, or Saatchi. But there you see, there's a point. New Blood existed, I don't know if it still does. Mm. Saatchi's not likely to come and go. Um, Etsy's not likely to come and go, but they change. So they either don't have any limit on who they let in, in which case they can get huge. So you are lost in this huge, great, big sea of people what is your work appearing next to it's very very easy for people to click off and go away and look at somebody else's work um whereas if you've got somebody on your own website they're kind of in your world mm. and that's what i like about it they're building that thing with you rather than just looking for a painting to to fill the wall I, you know i do know people who sell very well through through both of those but they put a lot of effort and attention into it. So they make sure that they upload new things regularly, which is still a good thing to do on your own site. Um, You have to learn that own site's way of searching, putting product descriptions that are going to fit with SEO terms and what people might be searching for or looking for. SEO is search engine optimization. And you have to do all of that on somebody else's website and then, they can make changes they can introduce discounts and things whenever they feel like it and you still have to do the packing and the shipping and you have to pay them a commission and you, you have to do everything their way on some i know one of my art tribe
1: members just sold something on saatchi and she was saying you know i'm really pleased i sold it but the requirements of what i have to do to meet their standards are really yeah. really high and so you jump in through hoops then to meet somebody else's rules when you could have done all that work in uploading the images to your own website and sent people there instead so I struggle to see the value unless you are well known enough that people might look you up on one of those sites but if that's the case wouldn't they look you up anyway on your own website yeah
0: they'd google your name and hopefully find your own website anyway I mean the Saatchi advice for sh- for shipping and packing is very good it's it's great advice for how to pack things but when you put your price in you have to put the weight and the packed dimensions of what you're selling before you've even packed it which is always a little bit of a head twist for me because the price that they show to the customer includes the shipping so you have to make sure that you've allowed for what that is going to be within the within the price that you include. So it's 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 more it felt more complicated for me. I mean, I have a profile on there. Um, everything on there is is marked as sold because I had it for for the art fair, that the other art fair that we did. But um, yeah, you can tell my view on that, can't you? I'm not a huge fan. Yeah, too. Me too.
1: But, you know, they do seem to work for some people.
0: I think the one thing that I have heard that people use that they do like and they talk about being easy is having a website on Shopify um, because that is geared to e-commerce. Often people have it as a link from their main website and it goes onto to a Shopify website. Um, you pay slightly higher prices for it. So that's why I didn't have it at the beginning because I was completely mean and I didn't want to pay for for e-commerce settings when I wasn't selling anything yet. You know, that seemed crazy to me, which is why, you know, WordPress and WooCommerce works because I only, you know, I only pay when I pay Stripe when I make the sale. I'm not actually paying to have that marketplace online other than basic website hosting. Whereas with Squarespace, you have to pay more each month, Mm -hmm. don't you, for the e-commerce option?
1: Yeah, still very reasonable though, really reasonable. I mean... I don't think it's going to cost me much more than my hosting already does now for my WordPress site. Um, if I ever get around, I think my free trial's ended and I haven't got anywhere near finishing on my website yet. So, <laughs> But you're enjoying it, so you know that you'll keep with it. So, Yeah, I think it's very, I, I'm very pleased with it. And I'm I'm not being paid by Squarespace, by the way, Um, unfortunately. I'm just, I'm just quite impressed with what it is. Um, what else haven't we talked about from our list then?
0: Well, we haven't talked about licensing sites, so things like Redbubble, or at the end of last year, I was looking at Contrado. So those are things That's where it. I couldn't remember can... the name of that one. I knew there was one you were looking at. Yeah, you what can create
1: a lamp that you got because you you had a lamp done, didn't you?
0: I didn't order the lamp at the end of the day.
1: Oh, I was wondering what kind of quality it was when
0: you. I didn't get round to it. I think I will, but I just wanted a, a lamp quickly, and I couldn't be bothered to go in and upload the artwork. <laughs> So I didn't get around to it yet. I think those kind of things are fun and I I still have that as an idea, but you it's a it's a fairly small return for the effort.
1: Yeah. I think, I think. that Red Bubble works well if you are if your art is commercial and would go well on mugs, t shirts, bags, etc. Something commercial, fashionable, appealing. Um, I, I don't know about Contrado is a bit seems a bit higher level in terms of nice designery things so that's a different audience but the things I see do well on Redbubble we may well have listeners whose work would do well on a site like that because if it's the kind of thing that that you you still have to promote and you still have to send people there but once they see sales coming in they do feature the better selling people and and make a fuss of their work for a period of time and they have themes and i know my old stuff once got into a theme and all of a sudden things were selling and Mm. that meant that i got a few hundred pounds that month in extra income so it wasn't nothing but it you have to be selling at a reasonable level before it becomes worth doing. So I I do know people for whom that is quite a significant part of their revenue. But again, it's up to you to market it, send people there, build an audience for what you're doing. And then in that case, you know, it can be nice. And even though you only get a small percentage, you're not doing any of the work. So you know, all you're doing is literally pressing a button to upload something and making sure you have a nice image and that's it. So it's quite nice to see the royalties come in, but it's a bit like royalties from a book. You're not going to get rich from royalties from the book.
0: Yeah. That's the same with the, with the licensing on the prints that I have. Mm. Uh, you know, they're they're on John Lewis. And, you know, once a quarter, I get a little thing that says, please bill us for this amount of money. And it's not a huge amount, given how many they've sold. It's really not very yeah. much. But it's it's a nice extra thing I that I haven't had to do. But you make a good point about being featured. And that is potentially one of the advantages for somewhere like uh, Sarchi is that they do do curators cuts. Mm -hmm. Um, they do selected and promoted artists and I know Artfinder do the same and that can help so if if that happens to be you that's a nice bonus but it's again it's something that's it is a bonus it's outside of your control other than creating the best kind of work you can and hoping that somebody notices you so what are we saying here about ways to sell online then for anybody who is
1: I was just going to say what are we saying (laughs)
0: Well, I was just thinking if I was listening to this and I hadn't started with any of it yet yeah. i'd be th- I'd be thinking a little bit like oh okay i a I need to go back and listen to this with a pen and a piece of paper and write yeah. it all down, and then I would look at that great big list, and I would think, "Oh, now I feel no clearer about what I need to do. You can't do it all at once, no,
1: I think I would find well what I did." when I started was I found the easiest possible way, which at the time for me was telling people on my Facebook business page that this painting's for sale and this is how much it is. And that was because I didn't even have prices on my website or a link to buy on my website. In fact, I don't think at that point I had a website. So find the easiest way possible. You need a payment, a way to accept payments, and you need Mm -hmm. to start telling people things are for sale but not only that, so don't open an Instagram account and then put this is for sale, this is for sale, this is for sale. We've talked about this before. Make sure it's a, it's engaging in an interesting Instagram account. And then every now and then mention that something's for sale. But really, I think we're saying start simple, build up. Relationships and awareness for yourself, and that's on a very small scale at first. You do not need very many followers to make your first sale, and we see this over and over again. Where Mm. people will say, "Oh, I opened an Instagram account, and you know, on the third day I sold a painting. Oh, I can't believe it!" You don't need to be massive, and then just slowly build it up. When you're ready, add a website, and then when you're ready, maybe add a second social media channel, and maybe you look at these third party sites, but just pick one and work on it. I think, learn, learn, pick the one thing. If it's going to be Instagram, spend a day on YouTube watching videos or on Google reading about how to do it well and follow some other people who you like and see what
0: they're doing. Yeah. I think the important thing is that wherever you sell, you still have to direct people. You still have to remind them that work is for sale Whether you do that in an email list or Instagram live where you're showing people a painting that you have still got in stock, the vehicle for how you do it in a way doesn't really matter as long as, as you say, you've got that way for somebody to make payment to you you still have to keep talking about it probably more than feels comfortable in fact it's not probably I know it's more than feels comfortable Mm. um but yes you're right we you know we see this time and time again or people say oh I really thought you know I wasn't sure about this one but I just did a live about it and now I've just had a message about it or someone's bought or or somebody buys the thing that you weren't talking about so you talk about painting a and you suddenly realize that somebody's bought painting b because they've been on your website having a little dig around and when when
1: you do so remember I said about the painting which I announced on Instagram and Facebook I think and said I love this one and then no one came to me
0: hmm. when
1: that happens don't let that be like, oh, well, mm-hmm. then it's not going to work for me. And no one liked that painting. It just means the people at that moment you were looking were not in the market for that painting, but there's a lot more people in the world than those people. Yeah. And you've got to let it not discourage you and just keep going because someone will like that painting at some point. You just don't know where you're going to find them.
0: And I think thinking of work having a particular lifespan is important here you know we tend to think and people talk about like launches and you know here's my new collection and here it is and wouldn't it be lovely to have stuff sell out all in a day yeah wouldn't it be lovely but the reality is that you you've got to have built really quite a strong following who are desperate for what you do for that and you know that does take time but when you have work i kind of feel that if it sells within a 2 year period that's that's good going for me And that lets me take the pressure off feeling like when I go into the studio, I'm making work to create in order to have it to sell. I don't like thinking about it like that. Yes, I am making work in order to sell it ultimately. But I'm also creating work that's of interest to me, that's developing the way that I want to work, that I can concentrate on technique or ideas that I want to explore and I know that there's going to be a certain lifespan that you know I will have it for until it catches somebody's eye and perhaps ultimately like one of my favorite ones last year was a 2017 one I painted over because I knew at that point I didn't want to show it again
1: yeah yeah this is what yeah
0: but that was a you know that was a way afterwards um so I think a little bit you're right be a little bit more relaxed so get the basics set up and then concentrate on what you do in the studio I hope that's
1: helped everybody at least it's an introduction to a topic which is massive but just rest assured that neither of us when we started had a slick selling machine neither of us put things up and everything went as fast as we put it up it's just all tiny degrees and steps in the right direction,
0: and it's still nerve-wracking now. Yeah, like you still think, "Oh, what happens if I put things up and no one will buy it?" It's embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'd, maybe that feeling goes away, but I don't know. I I think if you care about what you make, you're you're still a little bit like, "Here's this. Here's this thing. Is anybody actually going to be interested?" It's tough. Yeah make t-shirts instead it's much easier
1: so on to our final segment
0: what's inspired you or what have you enjoyed this week I have enjoyed anything that makes me laugh a bit this week I'm actually quite enjoying January um more, than, I usually hate January. It's like when people do Dry January, and I'm like, "Are you mad? That's the worst month of the year to do Dry January." <laughs> I'm, I'm quite liking the fact that, you know, it is a little bit of an enforced slowdown, and um, all I want to do is just concentrate on a nice, gentle setting myself up for the year, and. One of those things involves, like I said earlier, stopping and not working into the evening. And we've been watching we've been watching uh, not going out old BBC TV sitcoms. Did I say that last week? No, it's just it's funny. It's and it's partly written by Tim Vine, who's a stand up who does kind of fast um, kind of wisecracks. Um, So it's quite fast paced. It's quite silly. It's quite tongue in cheek. Um, But we started watching those and actually realised that we'd had an evening where we really did laugh a lot. And sorry if anybody um, on Instagram this morning, I've been sharing pet videos that make me laugh. What about you?
1: Um, Well, I haven't been doing anything fun like that, actually. I was just trying to think of it. Well, I have been rewatching old sitcoms. I've been rewatching on iPlayer, The Royal Family ah which I love and but which watching it back now is a slightly darker than I remember I just remember the jokes but now it's feeling a bit darker but also lighter so anyway I'm enjoying that but um inspired this week by I I happened to have well three different artists I had two artist conversations where I was recording interviews those were inspired I just find it so inspiring both people work completely differently from me and make completely different kinds of art. But I just inspired to connect with people who understand what you're talking about and who have interesting processes and and to just make new friends. So that was nice. And then the third artist who really inspired me, I had one of my, I, I'm trying within my membership site to make it much more, um what's the word collaborative so
0: mm-hmm.
1: to have members make content as well as me and to have members teach what they know as well as me teaching what I know and so um had a lovely member spotlight with um a semi-abstract artist who was showing how she works in sketchbooks and then how she translates sketches into finished paintings which is not something I do and it's a question I often get so watching what she was doing was fascinating So we also have a weekly studio diary, which I often do where I just show around my studio and show what I'm working on. But I think that's going to get very dull after a while. So I started to involve other people and we've had some lovely ones. And this week's, which I was just watching before I got on because I didn't edit it. My lovely husband edited it. His first time helping me. And um, it's Anne Arms, who was a very well-known textile artist a few years ago and has now moved into painting and she's combining paint and textiles in really exciting ways and her work's really moving on so watching that seeing the tour of a studio seeing all this really creative work I just find it so inspiring mm-hmm. so that's my resolution one of my resolutions for this year is to make those studio diaries at least 50% someone else yeah because I get the benefit from, I get excited seeing what other people are doing
0: yeah yeah no I agree with you I think that's fun more collaboration always good yeah that sounds good that sounds good so the membership is open at the moment open all the time so if anybody wants to find out about that I guess they go to your website louisefletcherart.com yes you can go to my website there's a section for artists
1: and it's listed under there it's called your art tribe and we just, it's just a really, f- I'm, I'm amazed at what a fun group it's become. And we have now built out um, a, a web portal with lots and lots of educational content, as well as lots of inspirational content and an increasing number library of artists interviews. And so, yeah, it's just really, and we have a big, thriving Facebook group, which is always fun to visit so if you would like to join us you actually can join and there's a free month so you can come join have a poke around and if it's not for you you can leave and I won't chase you asking you why you left you're welcome to come and have a look around and so yeah and if you have any questions you can message me through my website so that's it for us this week we will see you again next week thank you very much for listening and have a very creative week
0: bye-bye bye-bye Reason that I've put lipstick on is because I woke up this morning to the sound of my dog retching <laughs> on the carpet next to the bed and delivering a lovely pile of dog vomit. Oh, nice. So I was in a foul mood. That started my day off. So after that, I thought, right, better make an effort. <laughs> Just for anyone who thinks life is glamorous, <laughs> it's really not never is so the thing that I shared today was somebody offering their cat a piece of broccoli and you could actually hear the cat very gently you know how they very gently reach out yeah. to touch and sniff something and it sniffed this piece of broccoli and then it went <laughs> <laughs> just just at the smell and then the next thing that I saw was this guy who said every time we come back from a walk my dog collects acorns and he came back and he levered open the dog's mouth and like three acorns fell out, and then he shook the dog's head like you're getting the last revels out of the box, and another acorn fell out, and this dog collects them in its cheeks. And I just thought that was so funny, the kind of picky snootiness of cats and dogs that will just eat everything. <laughs>